The Start On Demand. On Demand. Mackling is in Las Vegas this weekend, just after it snowed. Twice this week it snowed in Vegas. Alberta, meanwhile, has reviewed its photo radar process and has deemed it's a cash cow and can only, henceforth, be used for safety. We'll get some local perspective to find out if we should do the same thing here. Brian Pallister says when it comes to the funding flap with the city and the mayor of Winnipeg, it's time to turn the other cheek. And this is it. This is the weekend. The Couch Potatoes are at the Centennial Concert Hall with a Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra this weekend for Star Wars versus Star Trek. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. Mackling's in Vegas. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Friday, February 22nd podcast for The Start. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Mackling is away. McNabb, is it? Can I turn on your microphone? You, you came out in? of breath. <laughs> I just ran in here as fast, like like a, like I'm not a sprinter. I think that's clear in life. But oh my gosh, am I behind? Always. <laughs> I'm exhausted. No, no. Okay. Should I just turn off your mic and let you catch I think your people breath? People really enjoy this. I remember. <laughs> okay. This reminds me, I'm remembering this on the spot. On weekends, we used to have uh, a network show called Warren on the Weekend. Peter Warren. Warren on the Weekend, the chorus (laughs) radio network. And he would say the phone number was 1-877-399-9898. He reminded me of that owl in those, was it the Tootsie Pop commercials? Yeah, yeah. Say one, two, three... That's what Peter Warren reminded and me of. I, are we saying that's what I sound like right now? No. So oh. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, <laughs> this is the buildup. Okay, so good. when the way that we had our logs set up was when Warren was on, he would go, we would have like a three minute sports cast around 28 after. But there was, I don't know why we did it this way, but Warren would end his break and we would go instantly into sports. We used to have that old sports stinger 14. I don't know if you remember. It was like, and uh, so I'm sitting in the newsroom and I wasn't paying attention and I'm still in the newsroom and I hear Warren on the weekend. So all I can do at that point is just fall <laughs> and just jump out of my chair and run into this into the room. So I'm still sitting down as I'm turning on my mic and uh, I had no audio in the sports cast. <laughs> so I just had every between every story, I would kind of do this. And in football, because I was trying so hard to catch my breath. So anyway, I feel your pain, Loren. I appreciate uh, the story, if only for the length of time it gave me to catch my breath. There was partly a design there. I'm trying to give Loren some time oh, to catch so her clever. breath. And you're wearing, are you wearing full heels? Like I could hear you thundering They're heels. through the Yeah, hall. yeah. It's not as cold out. I mean, there's lots of snow out there, but it's not as cold. So I wore my heels, but they're not conducive to my my race in here every morning. What does it feel like to to run in a shoe like that? Does it hurt? No. It, yeah, some shoes can hurt, but no. No? Okay. You get used to it. Maybe at some point it did. Yeah, I okay. I'm uh, yeah, so I... old. I've been wearing them so long. <laughs> <laughs> Same so, pair for 42 years. So Mackling, when he went to Finland a few months back to watch <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets, they got snow there for the first time in the season. <laughs> yeah. And now he has gone to Las Vegas where they have the first measurable amount of snow in a decade. Yeah. 
He's like a like a plague. And twice this week or something. Like, it's unheard of for them, or or you said at least in 10 years. And, and the video is hilarious because it's actually not, like, we wouldn't ever even remark over that in terms of the snow falling. No. But it's neat to see on the strip. And there's different Twitter uh, videos. Of the, there's a guy yesterday who was, like, outside of New York, New York, yeah. which has the Statue of Liberty, right? And he goes, it looks like New York, right? Because it actually snows yeah. in New York, but you don't expect it in Vegas. But I laughed so hard when Greg laughed yesterday. Let's keep that coat on, buddy. You're going to need it. Yeah, it's not that warm. Uh, they got, like, we're, and we're not talking about a ton of snow. In Winnipeg terms, it's a dusting, like maybe an inch of snow in some spots. I saw an inch and a half in others, uh, maybe three in one spot. Uh, but there, I found one video of a dog playing in the snow in Vegas. The dog had never seen the snow. Here's 10 seconds of that. <laughs> With some cheesy music behind it. I didn't put that music there. I think NBC did. But it's cute. <laughs> it is. I do like seeing dogs in snow. Like our neighbor just got a new dog and she's the sweetest thing when she gets outside because she just loves it. But Vegas is so weird because uh, that dog, they had all these people posting things like, this is the first time this dog has seen snow in its life. And that's like, how old's the dog? Like, the dog's not a hundred. Yeah. So, but the dog was eight. Well, if it, yeah, right? that, well, that's and the thing. So, like, if they, they, if they haven't had a measurable snow in, since 2008, yeah. and this dog's, say, four or five years old, yeah, it's the first time. Well, in Arizona, so I have friends in Arizona this week as well. It's snowed there. They're using, like, cross-country skis in some spots to get to school. Schools are canceled. Like, it's just a pretty weird wow. phenomenon going in that area of the states. Grand Forks is getting more snow this weekend in case anyone's going down there. And they've apparently already had their snowiest snowiest February ever. Wow. Like a ton of snow south of us. And so they put out the flood outlook yesterday saying that there's significant chances of flooding around the Red River in that area this spring. So snow everywhere. It's a snow, been a snowy year. Well, I saw one video that showed that there was a snow-nado in New Mexico. What's that? It was uh, it, it basically like the snow gets swept up in the wind and it, it looks like a tornado. That's kind of cool. It was and, cool. Unless, is it dangerous? I don't want to say that. Well, the guy, the, the guy in the video didn't seem too concerned. And the video... Well, he's probably never seen it before, so yeah. he's just going to stand there while it comes towards him being like, whoa, check this out. I probably wouldn't want to get caught in one. No. If it's that windy, it would be cold, I'm sure. I don't want to uh, get caught in the, anything that has NATO on the end. Shark Tornado, snow nato, well, tornado. How, how about thunder? Because Ohio and Maryland had thunder snow. This is in that was audio from Maryland. And then another thunder crack here is in Mentor, Ohio. And apparently this only gets it only gets measured six times on average in the United huh. States in a year. And That's it's happened neat. twice in the last week. Something weird is going on. Yeah, major flooding in uh, Tennessee, expecting up to seven inches of rain by the end of the week. So, Where should we send Greg weather. next just to prove this theory right? <laughs> to prove that he is just this black cloud yeah. that bad weather Somewhere follows Somewhere just super him. bizarre, like Mexico City. Like, not bizarre, but where it just wouldn't happen. Yeah, like, I don't know, Antigua or something like that. We have to find the place where it's never snowed ever. Greg goes there. San Diego? Do they get snow? Let's find out. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got to go, go visit his buddy Scott Moreland. Tell him just to rent a car right now and head on down. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Mackling is back soon. He is in Las Vegas where it has snowed for the second time in a week. The first measurable snowfall in a decade in Las Vegas. The video is quite extraordinary. I mean, I know it's just a random snowfall, but the fact that it's in Las Vegas on the strip, seeing the the lights mm-hmm. sort of hidden by the snow, it's just bizarre. It is, and it's also, like, as much as I wanted to mock it, 
what they're going through because it seems so minute if you don't get it. I remember living in Israel and it snowed in Jerusalem one day and people were stopping and it happens once yeah. in a while, but they were still stopping on the side and pulling over and scooping it up and looking at it kind of like like as if it, an alien had just landed yeah. kind of thing. And I get it, right? You just you don't see it enough. Therefore, it's it's well, bizarre. I, when I went to Houston uh, for WrestleMania X7 in, I think it was 2001, um, and... Uh, so we get on a plane in Winnipeg that morning, and it was March, and five hours later, we're in a shuttle uh, taking us from the airport to a hotel in Houston, and our driver's telling us, I've never seen snow, and this is a woman in her 40s. So had it snowed that day, mm-hmm. she would have probably been doing the same thing. Like, it's just something you are not used to seeing. I'm not, I, I think, I've never actually really seen mountains. Like, I've, I've seen them kind of off in the distance or driving by, but I've never been in truly in their presence. Mm. So that's the kind of thing that would make me stop and just kind of go, And then we wow. think about all these people we make fun of in Winnipeg when it snows, and we think, like, what's the matter with you? Like, why can't you drive in this? And we struggle every fall with that first snowfall. Yep. And then you drop snow in a city like Vegas that doesn't see it more than once a decade, right? Yeah, pretty much, by the looks of it. And then you're asking everybody not to panic, like, what do I do? It's falling. Is it slippery? Do I stop? But the moral of the story is don't allow Greg Mackling to travel to your city because he will bring snow with it because that's what happened when he went to Finland. Or just don't go with him. Yeah. So as well, uh, coming up at 7.07, more on what Jeff Braun was telling you in Global News at 6.30 about the premier... Yep. Speaking comment or speaking publicly about the funding fight. Yeah, the squabble between the city and the province. And we just want to get your thoughts. So if you're listening to some of these clips we're going to play or that Jeff Braun has played throughout the news, uh, you, you can hear the premier talking about he's urging his cabinet ministers and politicians to turn the other cheek and that he doesn't want to schedule meetings and all the rest through the media. And I'd like to know if people feel like that's the right approach, if he sounds like he means it or, or are they just words? Because, you know, politicians are also very good at, at saying things. And there was a story in the news as well about transportation of marijuana. If you have it in your car, you can't have it in the glove box. You put it in the trunk. One of our listeners has texted us a picture that says, Morning, another day at the office. And this just appears to be a large bush of, uh, I don't even know if that's the right term, but uh, it's it's a large growing of of marijuana, I guess. That's, yep. All right. I, I don't know. I feel like that's what that is. is it, Would that be the right terminology? Grow a large growing. I think it's just a plant. Well, just a plant. Yeah, a bush. I don't think. I don't, I don't know. Are, are there? <laughs> it's it's a marijuana shrubbery. Could this someone isn't... in the shrub business let us know? <laughs> what do you call a large congregation and or of marijuana? Marijuana business. A large <laughs> congregation. They're not like marching on the streets. <laughs> well, it looks like they're going to be marching into this person's lungs one day. So thanks for that. Uh, it looks like a nice bouquet. How about that? How about a bouquet of <laughs> That's cannabis? It there, you nailed it. <laughs> the congregation of cannabis. <laughs> hey, Alberta's transportation minister says a newly released report tells them some municipalities are using photo radar as a cash cow. As a result, cities will have to follow new photo radar rules centered on traffic safety. And we have this conversation all the time here. People hate photo radar. They hate it particularly, and, and, and this story we'll get into about where sometimes they are. So are they trying to catch you in spots, or is it really about safety? And I think that's what this argument is. Global's Fletcher Kent has more. There's little love from drivers for the trucks lurking at the side of the road. Photo radars suck. For years, motorists have claimed photo radar is a cash cow. Now, Brian Mason says a new report confirms those suspicions, at least in some Alberta communities. It's uh, my intention that we are going to humanely 
put the cash cow down. The report shows Edmonton collected $51 million in photo radar fines in 2016-17. And although it's a bigger city, Calgary collected just $38 million. The report also suggests photo radar leads to marginal safety improvements, contributing to a 1.4% reduction in traffic collisions over the last decade. Brian Mason says there will be no ban, but changes are coming. Trucks can no longer operate in so-called transition zones where speed limits change. Municipalities have to publish site locations and be more transparent with where revenue goes. And there must be a demonstrable safety reason for every photo radar site. And where their locations maybe don't improve traffic safety very much, but generate a lot of revenue, we're going to tell them to stop. The city of Edmonton says that all sounds fine. It won't mean much of a change. Our sense is that the city is already compliant with uh, the guidelines, the stricter guidelines that the province has put out there. But of course, uh, our folks will take a close look at that. As for provincial claims of marginal safety improvements, the mayor and police chief dispute that. Edmonton's looked at as one of the leaders in traffic safety in the country. So, you know, uh, I think tra- the, the auto speed enforcement is part of that. Drivers like the consistency the new rules create, but as long as the trucks are out there, there's likely little that will quiet all the cash cow claims. I still don't like them, but everyone will just be more cautious. Fletcher Kent, Global News. Now, the province of Alberta is going to be working with municipalities over the next year to iron out exactly how many of these changes will be implemented and monitored. And we also wanted to tell you about an Edmonton man who took to the streets to show his disgust for photo radar. Yesterday afternoon, Jack Schultz stood by Yellowhead Trail outside his parked van, which he had put a big sign on the rear windshield that said radar with an arrow pointing forward, indicating that about 100 yards up there was a radar truck pulled over waiting to grab people. Well, he's formed a group protesting photo radar, and he is part of the cash cow camp. Hanging over overpasses. Uh, Borden Park, going in the park and hiding behind those trees, how is that producing safety? It's, there's nothing safe about it, absolutely nothing. Now he's also, he's pleased with the province's review, but he isn't sure it will actually create change. Now I'm not familiar with the locations he mentioned, but that doesn't matter because we can apply that conversation to here. I have no problem personally with photo radar being put on busy streets. Like for example, one that I see all the time is on Academy, just west of Kelvin. There's almost every time you come over, if you're heading eastbound, just sort of where Academy curves towards Harrow, there's almost always a photo radar there because a lot of people do tend to speed there and you're approaching a school. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a high school, but it's still a school. It's only 50 there. And so if that kind of thing, I'm okay with that because if that gets people to slow down, then great. But if you're putting a photo radar in a on a suburb, the side street in the suburbs on Christmas mm-hmm. Day... When on a which if it falls on a Tuesday, no one is at that school. That's where it bothers me because that's not about safety or Saturday, like construction zones. I know that's a big problem. That's a safety issue, and I appreciate that you want to keep those workers at the side of the road safe. But I've seen the photo radar vehicles on a Saturday parked where it goes from say ninety to a sixty mm-hmm. or seventy, right? Because they want you to slow down in that construction zone. Well, no construction's happening. People have take issue with that. Yeah. They take issue with the tickets in the school zones when it's a holiday. So Alberta is doing a review. We wanted to ask you, do you have any locations that you've been annoyed about or do you think it's time for the province to have its own review? We're bringing on Len Easto at 8 o'clock. He's with uh, Traffic t- Ticket uh, Services and he's a, he's going to give us the lowdown on what people think, how many tickets he has to help uh, fight with his company, Traffic Ticket Experts. And so we'll see what uh, what we get from that. 
We're going to talk more about the premier and the mayor in a moment. I just, I, I got it. Wanted to tell you this quickly, McNabb, uh, before we carry on. Uh, I had a, a snack attack yesterday that I have not experienced in months and months. I was working on the couch potatoes and I went to the vending machine and I had a bag of fries and gravy flavored Lay's. Okay. And then I went back to the vending machine and I had a bag of fries and gravy Lay's. And then Two? half hour later, I went back and got a bag of Keebler bite-sized M&M cookies. Oh, boy. And then I, on the way out, I had a package of Oreo cookies. Oh, boy. And today I'm feeling kind of ashamed of myself. You shouldn't be ashamed. But I, I, well, yes, you should be. You know what? Yeah, you should be. That's a lot. It's gross. There's, like, so many restaurants within walking distance around here. Skip the dishes. You could get things delivered. You could bring a lunch. You could have stopped at bag two. Shame on you. But also, the vending machine here sucks because it has a credit card. So that's what I don't like about it. The one over at Global... TV, you had to have cash. So thank God for my Konkin for fueling my Diet Coke craze for the last few years. But this one here in the credit card, it's trouble. There's yeah. no, you can just go all the time. Yeah. And that's exactly what I and did. And that's what you did. And then you my stomach terrible. hurt. Well, so, yeah. you know, as, as anyone would say, shame on you. My relationship, I guess, with my stomach and brain today is a little frosty. Perhaps it's contentious, maybe even chilly. You could also use those words to describe another relationship, Lorraine. Well, I think that's how some have viewed the relationship between the province and the city of Winnipeg over the past few weeks. But after a lengthy war of words between some cabinet ministers and Winnipeg's mayor, Premier Brian Pallister is now urging his team to, quote, turn the other cheek. I've had good productive discussions with the mayor in the past, as have our ministers. Uh, but I think it's important to understand th that uh, some things like uh, the relationships between cities and provinces are best uh, built uh, together with mutual trust, and that's not best done by uh, um, accusations through the media. So I, I uh, implored our team to uh, turn the other cheek. Well. So as a reminder, the city and the province have been engaged in a fight over funding, with Mayor Brian Bowman saying Winnipeg needed more detail from Manitoba on just how much money it was going to receive this year in order to make the right budget decisions, and the Premier saying Winnipeg has all the info it needs. Then last week, Brian Bowman accused Manitoba's finance minister of trolling the city on Twitter after Scott Fielding took to social media to accuse Winnipeg of raising taxes every time it needed to solve its financial woes. While Pallister said yesterday he didn't want to engage in a public battle and that he wanted everyone to turn the other cheek, he also reiterated previous comments that Winnipeg has enough. We are totally committed to keeping the support levels for the city of Winnipeg among the highest in Canada. They are the most generous, they are the most generous per capita funding arrangements in Canada, bar none. And also, the city has the most no strings attached funding, most unconditional funding of any city in Canada. So he said that a lot. I think we've heard that line over and over again over the last month, and it's hard to fact check it and prove if that's true. Pretty generous funding agreement, though. Lots of people would agree with that. As to the idea the premier and the mayor haven't had a face-to-face -face since December, uh, that's what Brian Bowman tells us. Here's what Pallister had to say about that. I enjoy our discussions and have had many, and will continue to do that, and I will not do my scheduling through the media. So... Does it sound like he's turning the other cheek? Well, first of all, I, I don't like that he says scheduling. That's just a, <laughs> oh, that, that's just a preference thing. Yes, so uh, I, you grimaced for that. Yeah, I did. That's a, that's just a pet peeve, but whatever. And I, 
he, when are these meetings happening? He says, I like our discussions. Well, when are these, ha- these discussions happening? Well, they're not always face-to-face with necessarily the top two, right? Like, you're not always going to have Brian Bowman and Brian Pallister in the same room, but they each have their own people that will get into rooms together. I know that, that Brian Bowman has wanted another face-to-face with the Premier, but has also said, you know, that they've had good dialogue in the past. So it's hard to read there what exactly what exactly is the relationship. The thing that I kind of wish would happen, and we keep hearing that line from Brian Pallister that there's this most generous funding agreement in the country and that Winnipeg has all it needs and then Winnipeg will come out and show what it gets and then province will come out and show what it gets. Like there's a truth somewhere that we could all figure out if everyone would present the numbers the same and then we could just put an end to this whole idea of we have enough or we don't have enough, right? I mean, the city, unfortunately, is at the bottom of governments, so it has to put its hand up all the time. That's how it works. And then the province puts its hand up to Ottawa. I mean, that's the way it goes, right? Someone's always asking for more. In terms of relationships between a Winnipeg mayor and a Winnipeg premier, in your time as a journalist, has have you ever seen a relationship that has been as tumultuous as the current one? In this province, I don't think so. They certainly have talked. Um, I think we've talked about it more, and I think the difference is, uh, I remember covering Sam Cates and Greg Selinger, who was the premier at the time, and them being in the same room, and everyone thought it was going to get testy because there, hadn't, there had been a kind of similar war on words. The difference is now with social media that there's just comments that can be exchanged back and forth, and that's what happened last week, and that didn't exist, you know, even five years ago, that wasn't yeah. happening. It might have been happening with regular people, but politicians weren't doing it that way, and now it's happening at the highest levels, right? And so that's the difference. It's hard to tell if something's more testy because we have more evidence. Yeah, then the mayor is very uh, good at social media mm-hmm. as well. He's always he's super active on Twitter and Instagram. I know when he comes in here, he'll he'll often stop the conversation before we get on and say, hey, I just need to take a picture for Instagram. Just yeah. give me a second. Yeah, no, and, and uh, so that's the world we live in now. But then you can easily, it's a that's a judgmental world too. Everything you put out there, I mean, you saw Brian Pallister a few weeks ago. His team put out pictures of snowy Manitoba, but he mm-hmm. was in Costa Rica. And, and he, you know, a lot of people had comments about that. Like, it's just a much, it's a judgier world. It really is. Or it feels like it is. And so it's easy to judge this relationship and say it's poor. It's not, it doesn't feel like it. It is a much judgier world. Yeah. You can't do anything anymore and without being judged. Uh, well, and this is a completely different conversation, but an example of one we were talking about off the air was the Oscar host situation. Every Oscar host in the past 10 years gets judged instantly on social media. So to tie it back to this conversation here, doesn't matter what either of them do. They're going to be judged. People are going to judge. You could do like the greatest thing ever in the history of planet Earth. And someone would go on Twitter and judge you immediately for We're it. We're going to have a couple of chats about that this morning because you mentioned the Oscars. There's no, Os- there's no Oscar host Sunday. Yeah. And that might just go be the way forward because of like, why would you put yourself out there like that? At 745, we have some audio we want to play about one of the top civil servants uh, worried that a leader could get assassinated because of this ugly war of words that's going on between all levels of uh, government and the general public and their anger towards the liberals, etc. And that was based on comments somebody else said that m- you may think were overjudge or misjudge. So it's an interesting point of what, what someone puts out there and what they meant are never quite the same thing, depending on how you're sitting there. I'm suddenly craving, I was talking about my snack attack last half hour. I'm now craving the bugles, you know, the, the salty <laughs> oh, snack bugles. Nobody craves those, do I'm they? craving them now. I don't know. I get your segue. Like, I get it. That was a bugle playing, but I hate that snack. Yeah. Hi, Jeff Braun. Yeah, that's a terrible snack. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to the makers of bugle, <laughs> but I, no. I like the texture. Ugh, everything about them is... <laughs> 
Is our Triscuits your favorite cracker? No, I hate Triscuits. Weirdly, no. I love Triscuits. Really? I love Triscuits. Too sharp. Too, yeah. They hurt your, too, yeah. too sharp in your mouth? I like the cheddar cheese uh, Ritz crackers. Oh, soft. Oh. You're like, because you have no teeth? I, ch- I just, I don't need my mouth cut up by my snack food, that's all. <laughs> oh, Cap'n Crunch, Cap'n Crunch used to that's destroy. That's the one exception, yeah. That used to destroy the roof of my mouth. Anyway, Jeff Braun's here, one half of the Couch Potatoes, to talk about the movies this weekend, the Oscars, I guess, and as well, an event happening at the Centennial Concert tonight. But hey, let's start with the movies, and out this weekend is a movie I'm very excited about, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. This is Berk, son. It was the home of your grandparents and their grandparents before them. But out there, beyond the edge of the world, lies the home of the dragons. And I believe it's your destiny to one day find this hidden world. So this series started back in 2010. First one was a big hit, sequel in 2014, a bigger hit, and the success of the film series helped launch a couple of television series, too. How to Train Your Dragon, it's about a young lad in a Viking land. His best friend is his dragon, a night fury dragon named Toothless. And the movies were great. That first movie in particular was just sensational. Did you see that? Uh, have you seen those movies with your kids? No. You haven't cool. seen either of them? I don't know. I feel I was trying to follow here, but I know I haven't seen any of them. Oh, they're so I'm good. I'm almost worried with some of those that they're going to be like have a bit of scare to them. How old are the kids again? Six and eight. They okay. can handle it. Yeah? Oh, yeah. You've seen these movies? No. They just can handle <laughs> it. <laughs> Nothing I like more than getting that kind of parenting <laughs> advice from, from I've you, seen Jeff. part of the first one on a cruise ship, but that's it. Yeah. yeah. There, There is some scary stuff in these movies for the littlest of kids. Well, you just be surprised where a kid gets scared, right? You think it's totally innocuous, and then they're like, that cartoon snake is scary, and then you can put Jurassic World on, and then pterodactyls are taking down children, and they're like, oh, this popcorn's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so in this one, there's even going to be some romance for Toothless. Mm. They find a female counterpart. Hey, bud, wait up. We'll start it out. He's not the only one. Another night fury. It's more like a bright. A light fury. Yeah, yours is better, probably. Because Toothless is black, he's like a stealth bomber, and this. Light Fury is has white skin, so mm. yeah. But it's not all romance and fairy tales. Some bad dudes, of course, coming to put an end to the dragons. And this will wrap up that whole series, uh, which has been on since 2010. So yeah, I'm excited to, for this. Now, Jeff, yep. I want to transition to the next movie uh-huh. by using this music, which once upon a time I think would have driven you nuts, but now I feel like uh, it'll uh, excite you. I love it. <laughs> Here we go. If you smell what the rock is cooking. The Rock has become one of my favorite movie stars, and The Rock stars as The Rock in a movie called Fighting With My Family. The Rock! We're huge fans. Thank you so much. What advice would you give us? We want to be the next you. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting The Rock, you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years, you like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir, may I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's The Rock's advice. Shut your mouth. Thanks, Dwayne. You got it. 
He plays a former wrestler and his, or a former wrestler and his family actually make a living performing at these small venues across the country. And the kids dream of joining the WWE and they meet The Rock and try to get in through that. And Vince Vaughn plays a WWE guy. Lena Headey from Game of Thrones also win it, along with Florence Pugh, Jack Loudon, Nick Frost, and Stephen Merchant. It, it looks it's based on a true story, but it also looks like a lot of fun. It's getting great reviews. Did you just say that The Rock is his favorite star or one of your favorite stars? One of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he, he should be hosting the Oscars this weekend. By the way, I don't he, know why they didn't just call The Rock to do it. He is super enjoyable. Yeah. I just, I like you watch so many critically acclaimed films and then throwing The Rock in there. It's interesting. I think didn't. Oh, I seem to recall it. I need, I need to double check this now. But I think The Rock may have been asked in the wake of the Kevin Hart. But they're buddies, so he wouldn't want to. Yeah. Awesome so, like that. Uh, that makes sense. He almost hosted the Oscars. He passed on hosting the Oscars due to a Jumanji sequel shooting schedule. Oh, he's a very busy guy. Yeah, he's, he's in, in like everything. two or three movies a year. Or something. But yeah, this movie. So, How to Train Your Dragon, ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Fighting with My Family, ninety-three percent. It's getting awesome reviews, and it is based on a true story. It's based on Paige, who was a WWE superstar, very popular. WWE wrestler. Uh, she ended up having to retire because she hurt her neck mm. too many times, but I believe she is still active within WWE. But yeah, she actually really helped the women's division sort of move it forward, so uh, I think that's one of the reasons why the movie's getting such good reviews, and good for her for doing what she does. Uh, I guess we should quickly... Uh, do you want to make a prediction now on the Oscars, or should we tell people to go to the podcast to hear your prediction? Oh yeah, let's do that. Let's just uh, make people work for it. Yeah. <laughs> Last I heard you, well, I don't want to. I've changed I, my mind three times this week. Oh, okay. So I won't say. I, yeah. I, won't, I won't know the latest. No, you won't. It started off with the Star is Born, I thought. It did. So we, so that's out. Yeah. Can't be, still can't believe yeah. that that movie is getting almost no love, but it's nice to hear the voice of Sam Elliott in your news this morning, Jeff. No, exactly. And I actually did call that that's going to be the upset is that he'll win the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. He oh. deserves it. Just for that for that one shot of him backing out of a driveway alone, he deserves an Oscar. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that was touching. Oh. Yeah. That yeah. whole movie still I can't <laughs> I cannot talk about that movie without getting teary. So yeah. I, if it doesn't win some sort of acting award from somebody for somebody. It would be a travesty, yeah. I think. That movie really shook me. And it was a big commercial success. So that's a rare combination when you have an Oscar caliber movie that is a huge hit. And Lady Gaga is no with longer with her fiance. So we can also just go down that crazy rabbit hole of Oh gasp. Is there real love between her <laughs> and Brad? No? I don't oh. think so. Mm, okay. What no? do you know about love? <laughs> <laughs> that was his real dog, I'll tell you that. Loves a dog from the movie. Bradley Cooper's real dog? Yes, yeah. it was. I, I do remember hearing that, yeah. And by the way, Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, tonight, tomorrow That's tonight? Night. What's that? That's tonight? Yeah? Well, we should be preparing for it now. <laughs> I feel like you guys are ready. You're good. You've got this. Star Wars versus Star Trek, Centennial Concert Hall, Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, tonight, tomorrow night, and Sunday afternoon, hosted by the Couch Potatoes. There are still a couple of tickets left, wso.ca, and we're actually coming up at 9.36. We're going to speak with a member, and Jeff, maybe they've been tagging you on Facebook as well. The Costume Alliance is going to be there tonight. They are super excited about this show tonight. We're going to speak to... Darth Vader oh my gosh. is coming into the studio. Well, at least the guy who dresses up as Darth Vader. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be in full Darth Vader regalia, but uh, I, I said, well, bring what you can and, and we'll see what we can do. Is he going to have, because my, my kids have that mask that alters your voice. Oh, really? Yeah, I hope he comes in with that. I do want to do an interview with the voice of Darth Vader, at least. Can you bring that mask in just for fun one day? I can. So then we could all take Does, turns? <laughs> I got two of them. Really? Yeah. 
Oh man, that's what that's what grandparents are good for. They get them uh, all sorts of things the kids do not need. I love it. We could we could just do the show like that. How much now scarier on. is the news coming out of Darth Vader's voice? <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is available now for the Couch Potatoes anywhere you get podcasts, and of course, the show airs on CJOB noon on Saturdays, Sunday evening at six, and again, the Oscars are Sunday night. Jeff Braun, thank you very much, sir. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us. Mackling is in Las Vegas. He'll be back next week. And we start this hour, Loren McNabb, following up in a conversation we had earlier, the headline at globalnews.ca, Alberta photo radar overhaul coming after review finds it's a cash cow. Yeah, and so starting, they, they reviewed the whole thing, and now they've come out with this report, and then they're implementing some major changes. Starting in June in Alberta, photo radar will be banned immediately beside spots where the speed limit changes on highways. Also in June, photo radar on high-speed multi-lane highways won't be allowed, and municipalities who've taken the lion's share of photo radar will also have to present a clear plan to use photo radar backed by collision data. So they're essentially saying if you can't prove it's reducing collision or reducing speed issues in that area, you might have to get rid of those cameras or get rid of that photo radar enforcement. And so that had us asking this morning, Brett. Are there areas in Winnipeg or this province that we should be looking at? Is a review like this potentially necessary? And to answer some of those questions, we're joined by Len Easto, who's with Traffic Ticket Experts. He's on the phone with us right now. Good morning, Len. Good morning. So it's, I, I know you work on fighting tickets like these, so this is, might be the easiest question you'll receive all day. But do we have a problem in our province like Alberta that we maybe need to review some places where we have these photo radar cameras? I think we absolutely do. And on top of that, why wouldn't the government want to look at this and decide similarly to what Alberta has done and use it in the most effective way like it claim, like they claim it's supposed to be used for? Well, yeah, like, for example, we have a text here that says, photo radar is most definitely in a lot of instances a cash cow. Why ticket someone in school zones on holidays, for example? Oh, that's one of our one of my pet peeves, and I think most of the the city, anybody who's received a ticket on a, a day that's a, a, a especially a statutory holiday or Christmas break or spring break, why are they out there enforcing it? Uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, they use the excuse that oh well, there's still kids that are going to go and play in the in the playground. Well, at Christmas break, I, I, I've driven through most of this, and we all have, uh, where there are school zones. And there are no kids there. But to play, it's, just, it, it, it's a poor excuse. To play devil's advocate, and you know, sometimes it's a habit-forming thing. So if you don't have those signs, if you don't enforce on all days of the week, people aren't getting the message, and they aren't slowing down. And so, in some ways, there's an argument to be made that it could take years to generate those habits. And we don't want to be too quick to judge whether it's working or not until we get a little further down the road. Look, in court, it's always the same thing. If the sign's there, then it's enforceable. I think what they should do is, is make that rule different so that when there are those statutory holidays, uh, that sign is exempt. And that's very simple to do. And then you can train people the same way. It, it doesn't change. Do we have the data, Len, in your mind, or do we know uh, that it is working in some places? Because the argument in Alberta was that it was a cash cow, and particularly at intersections where it wasn't having an impact on speed or collisions. Have you ever seen that kind of data produced here in Winnipeg by police or others? No, I, I haven't seen them prove it. Let's put it that way, that at any particular intersection, installing that uh, camera is going to make or has made this difference. 
I would love to see that data. I don't think they produce it. In my opinion, anyways, I've never seen it uh, where they show it completely. We do know that uh, photo enforcement radar is down in Winnipeg, or at least the the amount the city was going to receive last year from tickets was down, I think, by about $900,000 by the end of 2018. And so some might say it's not a cash cow in Winnipeg. Well, and, and I think it is still. And, and it's because of the way they set it up. It's at different places, uh, like on Waverly this past summer during that construction area. They, they set the signage up and they put it down to 50 uh, for, for a short distance. You're coming out of a 70 zone and it dropped to that 50. I don't know of any other construction zone ever that's been a 50. Uh, what? Yet there it was. And I, I know somebody who once got a ticket. This was on uh, Keniston, just as it sort of curves around and becomes Bishop Grand. And this is when they were building that flyover, and there was all that construction. And so when you're the the construction is over, and you can you, your instinct is to speed up, but you got to go about two hundred yards before the the sign said speed is now 80 once again, and they had a camera set up basically right before you got to that sign, so they were essentially pegging people off uh, as they were out of the construction zone. And, and those stories you'll hear all the time. And, and why does it have to be set up that way? During the construction, we used to have a sign that said, when passing workers. Well, isn't that when it's the most important? So set up your, your enforcement around those workers so that they're protected. That's what the goal is. All right, Len Easto, traffic ticket experts, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much for the access, as always, sir. We very much appreciate it. What's your website, by the way? It's uh, my, well, the best one is my first name, Len at TrafficTicketExperts, with an S, dot com. All right, Len Easto, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Hard not to sometimes make fun uh, of the premier, I guess. Every time I see a picture of that guy, they just, they always capture him in like the the worst, just the worst look on his face. We posted one on our Instagram today. It's never flattering. Well, he's a serious job and he's got serious things to do. And I think what's been happening in the past few weeks, from what the message he's trying to sell is that, that there's serious conversations to be had and the statements that are flying back and forth between politicians at various levels of government aren't helping Matters. I think that's the the spin he's trying to put on it. Whether or not that's accurate, but he has. We've been talking a lot over the past couple of weeks about uh, you know the, the funding squabbles between the city of Winnipeg and the province. About uh, cabinet minister went on Twitter last week and and said something about how you know every time the city complains about money, well, it goes ahead and raises taxes. And he was pointing to the growth fees that are in place in the city. And so then that got the mayor saying Scott Fielding was trolling him. So there's been a lot of back and forth. Now. The premier suggesting that they can turn the page by turning another cheek. I've had good productive discussions with the mayor in the past, as have our ministers. Uh, but I think it's important to understand th- that uh, some things like uh, the relationships between cities and provinces are best uh, built uh, together with mutual trust. And that's not best done by uh, um, accusations through the media. So I, I uh, implored our team to uh, turn the other cheek. So here's where things are going to get interesting. So this initially started off as a, as a funding battle because the mayor of Winnipeg said, look, we need more information from the province when it comes to how much money we're going to get from Manitoba because that allows us to make our own budgetary decisions. The premier had said previously and said again yesterday, you know what, you, you get a lot, super generous, 
make your own budgets as you were. That's how budgets go. So the first week of March, we have the city putting out its budget March 1st before the province, even though it said it needed more info. Then the province does March 7th, and the feds go last uh, March 12th. So you're going to have all these back and forth, I'm going to guess, after that when they all find out who's giving what and who's not sharing. Yeah, and I also, I will admit when when the Premier says, I'm not going to do my scheduling through the media, I do respect how sometimes he just digs his feet in and says, no, I'm not going to be bullied, I'm not going to let you push me around, doesn't matter, I'm here to do a job and I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I respect that, and I also, if, when I talk about you know the, the pictures that end up being taken of the premier, I, I don't want to imply that no. I don't like the no, premier. No, no. He's been in; he, he's visited us. Dude is a movie buff, so is one of the couch potatoes. That makes me excited because he likes talking about movies. Um, but I just this whole—it's good to hear that he's he's acknowledging it's time to turn the other cheek because I have not been a fan of the way that both the province and the city have Agreed. been jabbing at each other. And I don't think you'd be the first to comment about the the photos. It's it's not they're not um they're not flattering often because of the topics he's talking about, you know, right? That's just the that's just how it goes. And the you know, the both sides have a conversation to be had. I think maybe now it's not time to move it behind closed doors. We've done enough talking out here about like, when are you going to talk? And why are you so mean to each other? Well, getting, you know, it's kind of like get out, get out to the playground and get that fight over with so we can move on. Yeah. Just have the conversation. Indeed. Speaking of playgrounds, often the photo radar gets set up beside playgrounds and the, in a play, in a situation like that, I'm okay with that because there are likely to be children there unless it's beside a school on Christmas morning. That's ridiculous. And we're getting tons of feedback at 204-780-6868. Well, the reason why we're talking about this, we told you at the top of the hour, Alberta has announced that it's going to change the way it does photo radar. You're going to, In some cases, you're going to have to have proof that it's working to make that intersection safer. So you can't just put it there because it said some places are cash cow. So we asked people to weigh in, you know, on that idea. Should we have a similar review here? And are there intersections where like, why is that camera here? So got a text from one listener saying, yes, the cameras are a cash grab. I drive a fair amount every day. And how many tickets have I received though? Not one. Why? Because I don't speed through school zones. So I don't speed. If you break the law, you pay. It's that simple. So her argument was, sure, they take money from you, but then obey the law. Yeah, and uh, this just just happened to me the other day on a street in Transcona called Madeline, just off of Kildare, and I was just kind of driving along, and I got right beside the school zone sign. I was doing, I think, 43, and I knew that there was a school zone there. there. I've driven it 100 times when I go to see my family, but... For whatever reason, I was just not paying attention, and I just kind of slammed on the brakes because I saw the sign, and I realized, no, I got to slow down. I'm in a school zone. I didn't see any kids. They were in class, but whatever. You're you're entering the school zone. You obey the law. Mark also agrees at 204-780-6868. As drivers, we can have the last laugh by slowing down and keeping our money in our pockets. I once had a high-ranking police inspector tell me, don't kid yourself. It's all about the money. Their advice to me was to just slow down. In mm-hmm. Winnipeg, we all know where the zones are. And what I will say, with all of the various photo radar that's out there, not just uh, the potential for a speed trap, because I had I had a bad stretch. It, it wasn't a stretch. It was twice in a year. Like It was basically August, and then the following August, I got nailed for doing like 69 and a 50. And mm-hmm. I got off in the first one because it had been like 15 years since I had been caught for speeding. So but I had a good run. Time, yeah. but, I, but the second one I had to pay. 
And since then, I've just adjusted my my driving habits because there are the ca- the photo radar cameras are all over the place, and I just don't want to get caught. And now I just don't drive fast, and I probably drive the people behind me crazy because I'm the guy who hovers like right around. If it's 50, I won't go above 55. Sure. If it's 60, I won't go above 65. I just don't because I don't want to get caught. And furthermore, if it obviously the more important part of it is, yes, it is safe. But mon- the money question is working for you then there. I yeah. mean, it's not, I, I get it. You care about not hurting anybody. I understand that. I think that's totally the argument everyone would say they make, but it's money at the end of the day, right? I think that what I would like to know, and I think we're going to look into today and in in maybe in the days ahead, is there evidence at our intersections where we do have photo radar enforcement that we're making a difference? Because that is the intended goal. And I, and I do know that is the case at many of the intersections. Is that the case at all of them? That's the question we still have to answer. Yeah, there's one intersection I can think of. And again, I'll, I'll make a reference to uh, Transcona. Don't live there in Transcona anymore, but I spend a lot of time yeah. there. And uh, for example, I was at the Superloop uh, for on remote on location one day and in, in recent months and at Regent and Owen. And that's a busy intersection and it can be a confusing intersection. And there's a photo radar set up there. And I think that that's probably a good spot. It's right by the casino. So it's just a high traffic spot. So in a, in a spot like that, I think I would hope that it's, it's helping a little bit because there's just so much traffic that funnels through there. So I think in a spot like that, it's good. Someone mentioned Grant and Thurso as a spot that drives them bonkers. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, anytime you, I don't, I can't remember exactly where Thurso is. But on Grant, there's usually always a car parked somewhere oh, on Grant. Yeah, and in those little sort of those feet. I don't know what the term is, but those like those side, side roads. streets. But that's a high traffic area. It's also a high pedestrian area. You have the mall, you have the school, you have lots of kids going back and forth, lots of seniors uh, living in some of those complexes who might move a little slower. So there is always a car there. Uh, there was also a texter who asked about, well, what about red light cameras? Because people will suddenly hit the brakes to not get a ticket instead of going through the intersection. And I actually, coming down Route 90 the other day, forgot about that one. I think it's, is it silver? Yep. And uh, I just picked up family member at the airport and saw the light turning yellow, but I was in the intersection. But my parent was like, whoa, 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 Loren. Yeah. Because uh, she wanted me to stop, but I was already in it. So then I stopped in the middle, like. In the middle kept, of the intersection. Well, and then kept kept going. But I slowed down too much so that I know I have a t- I know I have a ticket coming. But I was re- reacting to my mom's like ah, you know, kind of instinct. And so I do wonder in that circumstances because I knew there was a camera. I wanted to keep going to not get the ticket. Yeah. And I I bet you that that is something that many people feel about hitting the brakes too soon or speeding up potentially to to beat the system. I almost got it into a crash in that very intersection because I did that. I panicked. I was approaching it and the light turned yellow. So I slammed on the brakes and the guy behind me, he started swerving all over the place because he wasn't prepared for me to stop. So that was certainly my fault. I should have just, because I, I would have reached the intersection and been through it before the light turned red, right? Because right. it doesn't go off and it only goes off if you cross while it's red. Cross the line when it's red. Yeah. So as long as you're in the intersection or you cross the line before it turns red, you're okay. Not saying race through it to beat it, but I panicked. And I think a lot of people do have that reaction. They just, oh, I don't want to get a ticket, right. so I'm going to slam on the brakes. Can you get it? Does it work here to, on your map mapping system to have a voice saying? Because I know someone's saying that on Google Maps it identifies where the the photo radar are, like the, the, the permanent photo radar positions are. Oh. So if I was driving, it said photo radar ahead. That would be handy. Like in Europe, my sister had a system when she lived over there, and it was constantly saying, photo radar, photo radar, and you would just 
adjust accordingly. Yeah, and some some might say, well, that's cheating, but if it gets you to slow down, isn't that the end game? That's the whole point of it, is to get you to slow down. Great debate. Mackling McGarry and McNabb. Mackling back next week. He is in Las Vegas. And uh, Loren might feel kind of strange to talk about swimming lessons in February. Yeah, but that's exactly what we're going to talk about now because if you don't know how to swim but you plan to head to the lake like so many Manitobans do every summer, then you're going to want to start lessons soon, I think is the idea here, or at least those very basic lessons. It seems simple to say, but the consequences of not learning are obviously fatal. And it's why our next guests are working to bring swimming lessons to some of Manitoba's more vulnerable, particularly newcomers who might not fully understand the risks or just not know some of the basics. Kayla lost two cousins in a drowning accident near Kenora last summer, and Roshana Hyman is with the newly formed Ready, Set, Swim group, and both join us in studio this morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to start with you, Moni. I know it's a hard story to tell, um, but it's an important one, I think, because that's exactly why you guys want to get this initiative going. Tell me a bit about what your two cousins, 19 and 20 years old, were doing out at the Lake of the Woods last summer. Um, They were doing what we all sort of do in the summer, make the most out of our waterways uh, and lakes and rivers and really experiencing uh, everything Manitoba and and Canada in general has to offer. They weren't there to swim. They were. Okay. Yeah. Well, they were out there visiting, um, sightseeing, and uh, partaking in some of the activities, uh, uh, boat rides uh, in in the harbor. Um, Both of them were relatively new to Canada, neither of which they had any swimming lessons growing up in India um, prior to coming to Canada. That was the country that they had come from. Um, Great souls, great kids just sort of starting their life, uh, making those connections and networks uh, with people. Both of them wanted to um, just experience, you know, what Manitoba has to offer, what we all love, what we all really is a privilege here. But at the same time, it has to be respected. There has to be that certain level of um, caution that needs to be taken. So at the time of the drowning, they weren't actually even in the water, right? They were skipping rocks on... Uh, sort of the shore on the opposite side of the harbor. And from eyewitness accounts and what we had heard from other um, uh, people that were close by had said that they were just doing what boys do, you know, sort of on on the shore, skipping rocks, sort of a little playing. And one of them had slipped, sort of fell back, and he went to grab uh, the other for help. And within a minute, they were sort of, I mean, that was, you know, and there was just, there was another gentleman um, who had jumped in to try to help them who was a fairly strong swimmer, according to him, which we, uh, we had met him, um, and he sort of gave us the account. Mm-hmm. They just, even himself, he says, there was just no, you know, I, I couldn't do anything, and he was quite torn up about it. Just like that. I mean, in a matter of a minute, a whole life, a whole uh, generation, a whole, uh, you know, all the aspirations uh, sort of gone, preventable. Now, Roshana Hyman uh, with the newly formed Ready, Set, Swim. Um, I guess as it pertains to Moni's story here, how do you, what's the connection with Ready, Set, Swim? So we are uh, working to teach, to offer swimming lessons to those who need them uh, between the ages of 6 to 18. We are offering free swimming lessons. It's a referral-based program, so people need to be referred by a school, a teacher, an organization, um, even like a religious group, uh, anything like that. If someone recognizes a need in a family, um, we want to hear about it and we want to help them 
get in the water. Uh, our aim is to remove all barriers uh, to make it accessible for everyone. So we are supplying uh, bathing suits, towels, swim bags, shampoo, conditioner, a uh, healthy snack after, a culturally sensitive bathing suit if need be. Um, our program is an eight-week block. Uh, during that time, we will work on the life-saving society's swim-to-survive skills. What makes our program unique is that other than the fact that we're going to supply all these items to remove the barriers is that what we're going to do is during that eight weeks, um, parents and guardians will have a on-land um, water safety information session where we will bring in translators if need be, and we will work with them to help enjoy the water in and around Manitoba and to teach them about how to be safe and go out and enjoy it. Right, because um, it's not just about being in the water. No. It's about things that you, your cousins exactly. lost their lives on uh, falling into the water. Exactly. Then. It's all those things um, that we want people to be able to enjoy, and we don't want another family to experience what the Kayla family has experienced. Um, so uh, our goal is to... Um, raise funds and work hard to be able to get these kids in the water. If they can't complete the Swim to Survive Challenge in eight weeks, they will stay with our program until they can complete that challenge without a life jacket. We want to make sure that they really have the skills uh, and they know what to do in and around water. The Ready, Set, Swim 2019 launch party takes place Saturday, February 23rd, tomorrow at the Hilton Garden in Winnipeg South, 495 Sterling Lion Parkway. Ticket prices range from $25 to $85 and are available at CanadaHelps.org. Roshana Hyman is with the newly formed Ready, Set, Swim, and Moni Kayla also joined us and told us about two cousins who died in a drowning accident near Kenora last summer. Thank you so much for visiting us today. We appreciate this very much. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Mackling McGarry McNabb. Mackling's actually not here. He is in Las Vegas. And we're actually going to Nevada in a moment. Well, actually, well, we'll speak with somebody in Nevada in a moment in, about their snowfall. It's not snowmageddon, but it's the first time they've had measurable snow in 10 years. So that's kind of weird. We've all been to Las Vegas. Imagine going down there and it's snowing. Yeah. I, I, I'm annoyed going places when it's supposed to be warm or warmish, yeah. and it's not, let alone when they drop something I just flew away from. Like, get lost. Like, I just <laughs> left all that snow in Winnipeg. What in the fresh heck is happening down there is what I would have said. Get lost. Hey, text message at 204-780-6868. We want to mention before we have this conversation, all kids and adults need swimming lessons, it should be part of the school curriculum. Is this something that's offered in any school divisions? It's, it's offered in some schools, and I think Winnipeg School Division just offered it division-wide last year as part of a pilot project, and I believe they're going uh, to do it again or have been doing it again this year. And I know in some other schools it might be a case-by-case basis per school, not a division policy. My kids don't have it mandatory in their school right now, but I'd like to see that. And we are talking about that because this group that was just in at 845 wants to bring more lessons, particularly to newcomers who might come from countries that don't really understand the risks of water and get them those swimming lessons for free because that can often be a barrier. So if you're looking for more information on that group, again, it's readysetswim.ca. They've got a sold out fundraiser this week to raise money for those lessons, but it's a great initiative because we hear every summer those tragic stories of of lives taken far too soon. Want to play a clip for you? This is, well, it's just going to sound like a dog (laughs) frolicking. This dog is playing in snow in Las Vegas. It had never seen snow in its life. 
<laughs> and it was out gallivanting about one of the many cute videos we're seeing from people in Las Vegas who are seeing snow. We, we mentioned earlier this morning there was a video of a guy standing outside New York, New York, looking up at the Statue of Liberty with tons of what looked like a lot of snow. It was just heavy snow, I guess. But he said, it feels like I'm actually in New York, <laughs> not Las Vegas. Because it snows in New York. It doesn't snow in Las Vegas. So... What we want to do now is get a Manitoban's perspective on snow in Vegas, or at least a former Manitoban. That is who our next guest is. He now lives in Vegas, but used to live in this fine province. His name is Dan Walrick, and he joins us on the phone now. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. How are you guys? We're very good. I'd like to know how what you're thinking as someone who probably enjoys all the perks of living in a warmer climate. When the snow was falling, falling twice this week, I think, what's going through your head? Well, if you talk to the local Las Vegas folk, it's the end of days out here. It's <laughs> just quite a bit still on the snow even after two nights. There's quite a bit of snow on the ground even after a couple nights. So, uh, yeah, they're freaking out a little bit here. But, um, I don't know, I just keep telling them they're soft and enjoy it. How much snow did you get? Was it like we heard varying varying accounts? You know, I'd put it I'd put it down three or four inches, I guess. But, you know, it's... There's a couple inches still left on the ground in those spots after a bit of melting yesterday. So not for a snowman. Quite a wet, heavy snow. Not for a pretty good snowman. It makes for a good snowman, but you said people are freaking out. So is it just because it happened? Or is there actually a a situation on the roads where people are just do not know what to do with this snow? They don't know what to do uh, when it rains heavily, uh, let alone snow. I find the drivers when there's a bit of rain out because we get so little rain here, even it affects it. But uh, yeah, it was slow moving yesterday, of course. Um, I don't know, I think there was a bit of an uproar and I kind of agree with it because they didn't end up canceling school for the kids. And if, I mean, yesterday would have been one of the most memorable day of their lives for all those kids that ended up having to go to school instead, you know, had to just watch out the windows. You're not thinking for safety. You're just thinking it would have been a fun snow day. <laughs> Oh, it would have been a great snow day. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they should have experienced it. And instead, they didn't cancel the school. So that's kind of unfortunate. Well, Dan, isn't that part of what school is about, though, to prepare them for life? And, (laughs) hey, life is tough. We can't just drop what we're doing and go outside and play in the snow. Yeah, my first time in 10 years. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I like where he's coming from. I think that's great. Well, we want to talk to you a bit, Dan, too. I know you're still a Jets fan, despite being in the Golden Knights land. Are you seeing a lot of Jets jerseys on this, in and around Vegas this uh, this week? We know lots of fans are going down. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got one friend uh, in another bedroom still sleeping right now here uh, that came in from Edmonton for the Boston game on Wednesday and the Jets game. And then uh, two Manitobans that get in today between uh, 2 and 3 o'clock for tonight's game. One coming in from Winnipeg, a friend I grew up with in Shoal Lake, and another friend who grew up in the Shoal Lake Amiota area that's uh, living in California a few hours away. So, Wow. So you're, yeah, you're, you're housing, you're setting up like a village in your home. Uh, Dandelay Bay is full this weekend, yes. Dandelay Bay. <laughs> Dandelay Bay, that is wonderful. Oh, I like it. What do you? What is there a rate that we need to learn about here? Or is it all free at Dandelay Bay? Yeah, mostly pro bono, so it's a good deal for them. <laughs> now, I know there's lots of Jets fans who have been a little bit worried about the play of late, so do you have any prediction for tonight's game? Uh, Jets are slumping, Knights are slumping, um, Knights used to the unbeatable at home. I've seen them win a lot of games at home, but then again, I saw the Jets lose all those games as well in the playoffs last year here. I 
I think it's a toss-up tonight because both teams aren't playing that great of hockey right now. We'll who, see. Who do you cheer for when the Jets are in town? Oh, number one's the Jets, big time. Yeah, no, I would never break that allegiance. But are you a Golden Knights fan as well? I am, yeah. No, I share seasons with a couple people, so uh, I get to go to quite a few games. And, yeah, they're, they're number two for sure. I, I love watching Knights game. It is, it is the best rink I've seen a hockey game in the league, and I've probably seen, you know, 10 or 11 arenas. Pretty, all the Canadian ones, um, Vegas just knocks it out of the park in terms of sound and entertainment and just keeping the vibe going in the place. Do you still see that huge contingent of Jets fans uh, even in the second season? Yeah, I guess we'll find out because this is the first time they're coming here this year, but I expected, especially it being a weekend game in the middle of February, I think it should be good. I would say I went to the Leafs game a couple weeks ago when they were in town, there had to have been six or 7,000 Leafs fans in the crowd of the 17 there. So I don't think we'll match that, but uh, I think there'll be quite a few. Now, just circling back for, to the snow for a moment, uh, when was the, prior to this week, when was the last, like how long, I guess maybe the first question is, how long have you been in Nevada? I've been in town for a year and a half, so this is my second, and I'm using air quotations, winter down here. Um <laughs> And uh, last year, there was a, let's call it 20 minutes where there was flakes falling that I recall last year. And I've got a couple of ridiculous photos of, you know, 10 people outside taking pictures at the most small, normal snowflakes I've ever seen. It was really funny. We've been trying um, hard. So not- last year. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I used to say, so last year, a little bit of flakes, but this year. The last month and a half, we've seen a ton of rain down here. We've seen, obviously, two snowfalls now. It snowed on Sunday night last weekend and again um, over the last 24, 36 hours. So, uh, it, yeah, it's really weird by Vegas standards, according to what the locals tell me. But it uh, seems pretty normal to me. It's cool to see palm trees with snow on them. And how was it for you driving on it? Not being you, you're not used to that anymore. I know it's in your blood, but when you, when you get that, that thick, heavy snow, that wet snow, it's, it can be hard to drive on. You know, I it was fine. It was mostly <laughs> the roads were pretty. They were melting quite a bit. The, the roads slowed down a ton, but it was really easy driving. It wasn't that bad. You're talking to the guy who wanted to cancel school just for the fun of the snow. So I think <laughs> I think Dan's got this, and I think his friends got it going on tonight at Dandelay Bay. So it sounds like it's going to be yeah, a good night bet. for all Jets fans there. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's going to be a good time. It always is. Hey, Dan Warwick, before we let you go, what does one call someone who hails from the, the great state of Nevada? Is it Nevadian? No. Uh, well, that's a good question. It's definitely like Las Vegan. Um, was one thing I learned because I kept saying Las Vegite and I was getting corrected. Um, <laughs> it's not Las Vegan? Yeah, yeah I was just thinking Las Vegan. <laughs> well, no, they don't like it when you say it that way because, you know, there are some vegans down here, but not all of them. I would say Nevada sounds about right to me. All right. Dan Warwick, former Manitoba, now living in Vegas. What brought you down there, by the way? I'm down here for a project. I'm working on the uh, both the Raiders Stadium and the Raiders are building a new headquarters here, the NFL team. So uh company moved me down here, um, an American company, after hiring me in Edmonton. I managed to work on Rogers Place, the arena there. And once that was done, this came up and it was a hell of an opportunity. So here we are. What kind of work? Uh, project management, yep. Like you're managing the, the, the construction of the new stadium? <laughs> I'm on a pretty big team that's uh, managing it on behalf of the Raiders, like overseeing their, 
there are two projects here in the town, yeah. I think you've completely so, de- you've derailed Brett now. I think he's now booking tickets to Dandelay Bay. So <laughs> just to see, yeah, just, no, just to see that project go up. Yeah, it's great. Come in town. I'll show you the stadium for sure. And the Raiders have been an awesome, awesome organization to work for down here. So it's, uh, it's been a ton of fun. Well, good for you, Dan. And hey, thanks for uh, chatting with us this morning to give us uh, the Manitoban perspective for somebody living in Las Vegas. We appreciate the time. Have fun tonight at the the, the, the ice hockey game, as I'd like to jokingly say. Yeah, fortunately, most of the crowd has dropped the ice hockey. We've got that out of them now, and they've stopped, you know, they've stopped cheering as much on one-on-threes when a guy's breaking in. So they're, they're kind of trying to learn the game here. So, and it's, it's, it's been really fun. <laughs> Dan Warwick joining us live from Dandelay Bay in Las Vegas. It is happening tonight. Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra and the Couch Potatoes team up for Star Wars versus Star Trek at the Centennial Concert Hall and Loren McNabb. We got to be careful here because Lord Vader, Darth Vader is here. And uh, if we say something wrong, just a simple force choke and we're done. <laughs> you don't know the power of the dark side. <laughs> it was funny because I came around the corner to reception and there's Darth Vader standing there and... Desiree's just about to say something. I was like, I think he's with me. I'm not so sure, but I did know Darth Vader was coming to the studios this morning. I think you can follow me. So here we are. His name is Greg Vyasevich, a.k.a. Darth Vader, for this weekend. He is part of a group called the Costume Alliance, and they have been all over social media promoting this event. So I reached out and said, hey, we got to get you on the show. And he's here, not in full Darth Vader regalia, but I did just put a picture up on our 680CJOB Instagram story of Greg in the helmet. And this really sweet kind of like customized Jets jersey that you I call it crafted. the Jets wing jersey. The Jets wing jersey. Yeah. Nice. Trying to avoid any copyright infringement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get in trouble for that. So the, the logo, the jet has been replaced with? An X-wing. An X-wing. Okay. See, I wouldn't have known that. I was trying to think. I was thinking Battlestar Galactic. Am I in the wrong Yes, but hey, points for trying. <laughs> this not everyone is. Vader into this is stuff. really looking at me, and he's going to put the choke slam, whatever the heck the move is. Oh, Darth Vader doing a choke slam would look pretty cool with a cape flying up. Well, hey, I tell you what, let's get a picture tonight at the show. <laughs> oh, you want to do a choke? Give me a choke slam. I got real life death. No, thank you. No, thank you. Hey, isn't it the symphony? It should be a little, look more respectable than that. That well, they they brought in the couch potatoes, so I feel like all bets are off. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, that. Darth Vader will wear a, wear a bow tie tonight. Brad some class back to the symphony. Seems like the best of all worlds because you've got this duel going on of Star Wars versus Star Trek. You got people dressing up. You got the couch potatoes who are going to uh, introduce each uh, performance or song yep. from a couch. From a couch. With We're going to be sitting on a couch. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we we joke. We they they mentioned it last year. I thought they were joking, and then in our meeting earlier this week, they said, "No, no, no. There's going to be a couch on stage. So. Better be careful what you ask for. You just might get it." Yeah. <laughs> so we're excited. So Greg, tell us about the the costume alliance because you guys are out and about doing it. You're not just guys with costumes. You do stuff for charity and for kids. Absolutely, and that's that's our main focus. We're a nonprofit organization, and um, we do appearances for different charities or for different groups to uh, promote their uh, their events and to promote ourselves as. Well, um, we always our tagline is good costumes doing good 
or Geeks Doing Good, one of the two. Um, and you know what? I, I ended up joining them a couple of years ago. Uh, I was started off as an organizer. I'm the crazy guy who slept on the roof uh, out in Transcona, and I had them at one of my events. And you know what? I just love what they stand for, so I had to get involved. And uh, yeah, and the rest is history. It is, it is awesome. We've worked with some really great charities, Winnipeg Harvest, uh, Children's Hospital Foundation. Um, yeah, so it's been been a fun ride. As an adult, I was an excited. I was excited just to see. Just I don't. Want, is it a helmet? What do you call the Darth Vader head? Yeah, like, what it, okay, so I was excited just to see that. I can only imagine when you walk in a room in your full regalia or whatever costume anyone else has on. I mean, what what happens on the child's face? It, well, it's not even just the the children. Like the children are always excited because they see all the bright colors, and and it's amazing. I've never had so many pictures of me holding somebody's kids. So when I go into an event <laughs> and that costume is all of a sudden you're in costume and all of a sudden, here's my baby, hold my baby. So, um, but you know what? It's the adults too. Uh, you know what? As soon as we walk in, especially with some classic characters like Darth Vader, I'll walk in and people are, you can see the adults are like, here, Timmy, go get your picture taken with Darth Vader. And I'm like, no, you can come in the picture too. And they're like, okay. And then they're almost pushing their own kids out of the way to get their pictures and stuff. So it's just, you know, it's, we do it. We have fun. And it's celebrating our, our love of pop culture, really. Well, and you're a natural fit for Darth Vader. You're a tall guy. Uh, what what t- How tall are you? 6'4"? Six, 6'4", six, four. Six, four, yeah. So you're an imposing physical presence in Darth Vader. How tall are you with the helmet on? Uh, I've never measured myself, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming I had a couple more inches on that. And- have you been practicing the voice? Because... You did that pretty well. No, that just comes naturally. Just naturally? Absolutely. But how many lines does Darth Vader have? I mean, do you really quite a only... Few. Really? Yeah, absolutely, quite a bit. Um, yeah, I'd say... Well, he has a good good chunk, about 100 at least. Hmm. Yeah, no, he says a lot. Uh, and I think by the... Well, what did you... Actually, since you're here, I'll just ask you quickly. When he appeared in Rogue One... Did you enjoy that? I, f- I felt like maybe using James Earl Jones's voice, which was kind of cool, but it, it almost... He's starting to just... I don't know. I I don't want to say it, but he's starting to sound like the the voice isn't as strong as it used to be. Um, you know what? It's not. Uh, I was. I loved seeing him in there. Um, I have a big problem with. Uh, I, I understand it's great that they they included him and they they tried to tie it into a new hope. I just find that you see him kicking butt. And all of a sudden, he's fighting Obi Wan in A New Hope, trying to tie it in. He looks like he should have his cane instead of a lightsaber. So, I, it, it was nice to see. Um, it, it's great to see that they're trying to ca- try to capture the the spirit of the original trilogy, for, especially for this younger generation. Because I think New Hope just turned forty, didn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, so. that's right. Seventy seven. Well, I guess it would have been seventy seven when mm-hmm. it came out. Yeah, so forty two. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Loren. We just I, I fell down a nerdy rabbit hole there. That's what's going to happen <laughs> I was tonight. Just nodding along, like mm, yes, the rogue with the one and the dark hope of the people of the mankind. <laughs> that, you actually tied both franchises together <laughs> there, right? Awesome. Very good. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca. Call 204-987-6890. The Couch Potatoes are teaming up this weekend with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra to settle an age-old question. Which one is better? Star Wars, Star Trek. And we added a third option. Do I have to pick just one? And so far, I'm just getting the latest results. And the last time I checked, do I have to pick just one was leading. Yeah, 52% do I have to pick just one. 36% Star Wars, 12% Star Trek. You can also weigh in on that poll on Twitter, Facebook, and on Instagram. If you had to pick, I mean, you've got a Darth Vader costume here, Greg, but which one would you pick? Um, 
original trilogy stuff, definitely. Uh, if I did uh, pick anything that's come out, like all the newer stuff, not a big fan, not going to lie. Okay. Um, I would say, do I have to pick one? Yeah. If, if we're talking about the, the newer stuff since uh, the mouse took over. Yeah. It's hard to pick just one out of the two, Star Wars or Star Trek, uh, because they are both such iconic franchises. I'm not a Star Trek guy, but that's not because I don't like it. That's just because I grew up on Star Wars. Right. So I'm not, I, I, I don't, I feel like I, I personally almost can't choose because I don't think it would be fair to pick. I, I just find like you out. you don't get a vote based on the fact yeah, that you just I, don't have enough of that in you, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. I, but but I'm, I'm fully on Team Star Wars tonight. Got Jeff, it. Jeff Braun is representing Star Trek. By choice? I never is asked it, that. Is that, or is that, he just got shoved into that category? No, we, we, we just kind of talked about it okay. and said, how do you want to do this? We were, we were hoping to stay neutral, but the symphony said, no, you guys got to pick Well, you should be making him wear a red shirt. A red shirt? And tight, and not, and not, not even that, like a really tight red shirt. Oh, I gotta go get him one now. So, Greg, if somebody listening to this wants the Costume Alliance to come participate in their event, how do they reach out to you guys? Uh, it's very simple. We're on social media, at Costume Alliance. That's simple, Facebook and Instagram. Um, yeah, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have about 50-plus members, and uh, even if you're getting into the cosplay thing and you want some costume advice, uh, we are more than willing to help out as well. We don't, we don't just do events. We do uh, we help people as well. Cosplay, wow. you mean people just like wanting to dress up and, and get into that role, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. They, they spend some money on the costumes, as we were talking mm-hmm. about, and uh, it's, it's amazing how many people are into that. Well, yeah, like when uh, you look at the the Comic-Con in San Diego or any of these cons that happen anywhere, a lot of websites will just have posts where it's just a a compilation of all the pictures of people Mm -hmm. dressed up in these costumes. Like when I went to Comic-Con here in Winnipeg, uh, I don't know, five years ago, I felt like I was the one on the outs because I wasn't in costume. Exactly. You show up and then you kind of feel sad. You're like, what a great time it would be to be in character and wandering around and sort of being part of this whole thing. And it's amazing the kind of costumes you see. Like I think back when we were younger, I'm going to age us both. Um, it was that typical geek thing. Oh man, you like Star Wars, you like Star Trek, you're a geek. Now it's it's actually kind of chic to be geek. It's uh, if you if you it doesn't matter what kind of costumes you'll see anything at, at you go to these conventions. Um, like we were talking about on the air, I think one of my my most popular costumes is the Big Lebowski. And so it's it's not even just a comic con anymore. It's more like a pop culture mm-hmm. celebration. I think yeah. you even see that in Halloween. Like it, there was a period there where people just didn't dress up anymore. And now if you again if you're at a party, I mean the whole point is to get that costume on, right? Because I think people are getting back into the not feeling like you're the outsider. It's just about celebrating whatever you choose to celebrate. Before we let you go, who's coming tonight in character? Um, uh, Darth Vader's going to be there. (laughs) We have a stormtrooper, and we have a very special uh, surprise. R2-D2's coming. Yeah, R two D two is going to be a part of the show. Oh, in fact. that's awesome! Yeah, R2- I love R two D two. Yeah, and so I'm excited to see how they incorporate R two D two into the show. Anybody Does he just, play an instrument? Do you think he's going to? As far as I, I understand, he's going to assist the conductor restart the show. Oh. So that's is R two D two a he? Uh, can't say that nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> we, I don't know. I mean, it was it was a male inside the suit. Right. But I just I, I just naturally. I mean, it's a robot, so. Did they, I'm going to have to go back through that because they, they have female droids in some of the newer ones. They do. And I think even C-3PO referenced him as him. 
Yeah, back in the back in the day. Okay, and uh, anybody dressed up in Star Trek costumes? We do have some Star Trek as well. Um, with Star Trek, it's a it's a lot easier. You just basically throw on the red shirt, which we might see tonight on the couch, and uh, or whatever. I knew I know we have someone uh, who just specifically for this event put together a William Riker oh, cool. costume just to represent both sides of the spectrum. Right on. Greg Viosevich, a.k.a. Darth Vader from the Costume Alliance. If you want to find them on social media, just look for Costume Alliance. They will be at the Centennial Concert Hall this weekend for Star Wars versus Star Trek. Greg, thanks for coming in, and we appreciate you bringing in the helmet. Can I try the helmet on? Absolutely. We'll even get a picture and post it. Yes! Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.